Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me for another great episode and conversation to help you up your game and improve your capabilities and potential in the world of talent development. And you know, in talent development, we talk a lot about creating great programs, about creating a great culture, and sometimes we get into the details of how to run a great workshop. But one thing we don't talk about enough probably is how to actually get people there, how to help people find out about your workshop or your program or your webinar or the things that you're running. And that's something that I've definitely struggled with, even though I love marketing and I like to think I love sales, something that I'm always trying to get better at as an entrepreneur. I always feel like I'm struggling with getting the word out in the right way to the right people, doing it enough so that they are aware of the programs that I'm running, the membership community that I run, the conference, the events, everything that I'm doing. And I know that many people in L&D struggle with this as well. I had an aha moment about this when my guest today was running a session at the Talent Development Think Tank retreat back in January of 2022. And I realized a lot of people are really struggling with this or that there is a lot of work that goes into marketing programs to make sure that people get there. And that is what our conversation is all about today is how to leverage marketing principles to drive awareness and engagement for your L&D programs. My guest today is Jen Collins, who is a learning strategist, consultant, speaker, and facilitator with a passion for talent development. She has consulted and facilitated learning experiences on a variety of topics for all levels of employees across B2B and B2C businesses. And Jen has over 20 years of marketing and business management experience with a focus on talent development for the last five years. Her L&D experience includes skill-specific learning programs and academies, new hire onboarding, intern programs, culture initiatives, and more. Jen has worked in marketing. She has run a business. She has worked in L&D for a marketing company. And now she serves as director of Academy Enablement, a company called LearnIn, which has recently been acquired by Degreed. And we'll talk about that at the end of this conversation. But the main focus is going to be how do you leverage marketing principles to drive awareness and engagement for your L&D programs. I am looking forward to this conversation and how much value it's going to bring for all of us in L&D who are looking for ways to get better at marketing. Before I get into the conversation with Jen, I want to let you know that Jen is a longtime member of the Talent Development Think Tank community. She's been a member since, I think, April of 2021, so well over a year and counting, and a really engaged member, someone who shows up and not only gets a lot of value, but seems to give so much to others connects with others. And at the end of this conversation, I'll ask her about the value she's getting from the membership community. So you can hear about that yourself. But Jen will be leading a call in 2023 about this topic, as well as joining many of our other calls. And I'd love for you to come check us out. All the information about our website and about our membership community is on our website, tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jen Collins about marketing your L&D programs. All right, I'm joined now by Jen Collins, who is a learning strategist and director of Academy Enablement at LearnIn. Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a longtime listener, and I'm so honored to have time to chat with you today. Yeah, likewise. I'm really glad to have you on. And we were just talking about this. It's so funny because you know, you mentioned you've been listening for a while. You've also been a member of the Talent Development Think Tank community for quite some time, more than a year. We've become good friends. We've done work together. And you presented at our Talent Development Think Tank retreat back in January. And in my mind, we had already done this, but then I was thinking about it and I'm like, oh, actually, Jen has never been on the podcast. And so I knew we had to change that. I'm excited to get you on. Primarily, what I want to talk with you about is this idea of marketing learning programs and and getting more engagement and people actually showing up. That's you did a session on that at the Talent Development Think Tank retreat that we hosted back in January 2022 in Orlando. Went over really well. I think people were giving people a lot of things to think about. So I'm I am, you know, really interested in diving into that. But you know, before we do, I want to go into your background a little bit because you have more of 
a marketing and entrepreneurial background. Why did you make the move into learning and development? Oh, great question. So you're exactly right. I have actually been working in marketing and business leadership for the last 20 years. I started my career as a media buyer and planner Mm. and then moved into events and account management and account service. And throughout all of that, I always took on various stretch projects where I would help with onboarding or be a subject matter expert to train, but I never really double clicked into learning and development. And then about five years ago, I was reading a book called, I think it's called Unthink. I need to remember which that book is, but in the book, it was remind, it basically presented this idea of rather than look outside and have to rebuild your whole career and start over. Mm. Where can you start to slowly pivot into the things that you're most interested in? And so I did a lot of introspection and essentially figured out that my passion and my purpose really falls into helping people, helping people live their most fulfilled lives, helping people learn new skills, helping people live a joyous life and learning and development and talent development is that space. And so what I did was I actually worked with my manager and said, Hey, this is what I want to do for my development plan. And we slowly over the course of three years moved me into a L and D role where first it was 30% of my time was learning and development and uh, 70% was my client service responsibilities and marketing. Then I slowly got to 50, 50, and then 80, 20, and then 100%. And it was amazing because it allowed me this opportunity to dabble in learning and development and talent development without having to start over. And with it, I found all of the similarities between marketing and how we build marketing campaigns and what we do for learning and development and how we build impactful learning programs too. Mm. So when I realized there was so much crossover the light bulb, everything got to sink in and click and it was really exciting. So that's my background. That's cool. I think a lot of people would listen to this and think, well, that sounds like the perfect transition from one type of career into another. First of all, I love that you did the introspection and really started to take ownership and design a career for you. You know, I'm all about that. And I know you are as well and helping others with that. And you made this, it sounded like a smooth transition a little bit at a time into this learning and development role. I'm curious how that was set up, what type of like boundaries or guardrails were there. The reason I ask is because in my experience talking with a lot of people and leaders over the years, that's always kind of like the ideal way to transition, Mm -hmm. but without a timeline, a lot of times it never finishes. And then people end up doing two jobs and then then everybody is miserable. Yeah, oh, exactly. And there was a period of time throughout those three years where I was doing that. I was okay. working at 150% or 200%. And I had to go back and recalibrate with the team because ultimately the challenge that I was at is the the revenue driving work that I was doing as the business was concerned and my employer was concerned was my client-facing work. And my L&D and talent development initiatives We're just icing on the cake. But then once they started to see the impact of how it was slowly moving our organization into becoming more of a culture of learning and that there really was a need for this, then we started to get more stakeholder buy-in. And by the end, what was so exciting, this was actually at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, I was going in to just be learning and development lead for one or two ad agencies within our company. And when this was broached with the senior leader at the time, the president at the time, he said, actually, we want to serve this up for all of the agencies. And so I ended up becoming the talent development lead and support for eight different ad agencies, which was really great because the, the role that I played with each of those was a little bit different. And some of them, I played a consultative approach. In others, I was actually helping them build learning programs. And then in others, I was kind of playing a hybrid role. So it was really great where it was a safe way for us to try this out for both me and the organization and move in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's cool how you got into those things and able to make that transition over so that you can focus on helping people more, as you said. 
How has your marketing background helped you add value and become successful in L&D? Because it, it, ostensibly, it's a very different sort of part of a business, but I'm sure there are things that you've taken over that have been helpful. Yeah. Well, actually, truly, I, I personally believe that marketing and L&D are more similar than they are different. And the reason for that is, is when we talk about marketing, what we're trying to do as marketers is to encourage our target consumers to take action, to make a behavior change, to buy a product or service, or think differently about something. And what we're trying to do as learning and development leaders is we're trying to get our target learners to make a behavior change, Mm -hmm. to take action, demonstrate a new skill, learn a new skill, whatever that may be, and perform differently on the job in an effort to impact business results. And so when we boil it down to that simplistic view, it makes it a little bit, for me, it was less daunting because at first I thought when I was going into learning and development that this was this whole new thing that I needed to learn. And I realized there was a lot of crossover there. And, And then with it, also a lot of learning because at the foundation, both learning and marketing have the foundation of psychology, behavior. What is the behaviors that we want to see? What are the barriers that are prompting that from happening? And how do we resolve that going forward? Yeah, there's, there you're right. There's a lot of psychology in both and understanding human behavior and behavior change and influencing behavior And as I mentioned earlier, you came to the Talent Development Think Tank retreat that we hosted back in January, and you led a session on marketing principles and marketing learning programs. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was a, first of all, it's a really fun session. You started out by dancing to a a very popular TikTok song and got everybody's attention right away in great marketing fashion, and then went into some of this work. And I had a really big aha moment during that session because I've been in a position for more than a decade now coming into organizations, running workshops, you know, whether it's business simulations, leadership development, career development type work. And I'm just coming in at the back end and running the workshop and thinking, oh, it's easy. They just like send this email out and people show up. Right. But it's, it's really not that easy. There's a lot of work. And what I learned from the other people in the room is that there's a lot of struggle around, Mm -hmm. hey, we've put all this work into creating this great program, whatever it may be. How do we get people there to make sure they're taking advantage of it and and actually engage with it? Yep. Yeah, exactly. And a good example, I was actually just in New York City a few weeks ago and went down to Times Square and oh, the billboards, I mean, everywhere, McDonald's, so many people. So many people and so many just ads everywhere. And it was a good reminder that these companies are spending money even when they have a strong brand awareness. People know who McDonald's is. They know who Coca-Cola is. Yet both of those brands spend extensively on their marketing efforts. Mm -hmm. And they do so along a continuum. So they address it both in how do we continue to keep it top of mind, as well as how do we impact you and and make sure we are your solution at the point of purchase. And the same is true for our learning programs. How can we not only address when we have an upcoming event on Thursday and we want them to go to it, but how do we prime them ahead of the event to make sure that they're set up for success? They know why it's Uh, relevant to them. And then after the event, you know, giving them the resources where they can continue to expand on their learning and and really go deeper if they'd like to. Yeah. It's a great point about Times Square, right? Because no matter how big a brand is like Coca-Cola or Apple or Amazon, some of the biggest brands in the world, they know, you would know this better than me. I can't remember the statistic, right? But someone has to see something like 23 times before they buy it. And really you have to stay in front of people and keep engaging with people. Otherwise they forget about you because we're always bombarded with so many messages. And like, sometimes we only remember the latest thing. And so you've got to keep putting that message out there or it gets forgotten. It actually makes me think recently, you and I are recording this in December, and my daughter has been reminding me regularly of what she wants for Christmas. For some reason, she really wants a mouse for Christmas, a lot of mouse. And she keeps telling me every couple of days, hey, just so you know. And instead of getting annoyed, I say to her, 
I'm glad you keep reminding me that's what a good marketer and salesperson does because you've got to keep reminding someone, otherwise they're going to forget and then get you something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and it's funny you talk about how much money is spent in marketing. There's a lot of controversy out there about the budgets. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars a year. And are some of those and many of those dollars wasted? Likely, yes. Mm. Similarly, though, we have a similar issue in learning and development where how many of our efforts are, quote unquote, wasted? Where do we measure the impact of our learning programs? And so in marketing, for example, years ago, I remember about 12 or 15 years ago, all the rage was doing mixed drivers analysis. And it was about trying to identify, okay, if you have a TV ad and a print ad and a radio and digital, which ones are going to drive the most impact on your sales at which ratio and which dollars are going to work harder for you. But ultimately now what you do for marketing is all about attribution of how can you attribute that this touch point tied to this conversion and a conversion Mm. marketing is often, did they buy, did they sell? And it's hard to get and to clean out that clutter and get to that level of data. The same thing is true for our marketing and learning programs. But sometimes we have to just lean in to the assumption that our continuous efforts of keeping our learning programs top of mind and relevant is going to eventually pay off to that behavior change that we want to see on the job. But along the ways, how can we continue to work on measurement and really hone in to figure out what that uh, means for us and where we should be spending our time and effort and money? That's a good question. You know, it is, and I know it's marketing departments always asking, are we spending our money in the right place, right? And what are we getting for this? And, you know, it makes me think of, I just looked it up, you know, the average cost of a 32nd Super Bowl ad spot in the Super Bowl in 2022 is $6.5 million, right? But a lot of times when an ad's on TV, you can't tie any results back to that. You don't know, did this make a difference? Did we have enough people sign up for our service or buy our product to compensate for us spending Six point five million is just the ad, you know, the, the slot, right? They still have the production costs and everything else to create a really engaging ad. And this is where I think, you know, obviously, like digital media and stuff has become a lot more relevant because you can social media ads, you can tie back number of clicks and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we won't go down the rabbit hole of yeah. of, <laughs> of digital advertising, but it, it's fascinating to think about these things and where your efforts are being placed, whether it be spending money or just spending time or resources in your organization? And are those getting you results? So I'm curious if you would spend some time sharing with us, how can L&D leverage marketing principles to drive more awareness and engagement of L&D programs? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So I think that there are a number of principles that we can leverage, but the few I want to kind of hit on today is the, the idea of creating a marketing campaign, a learning campaign really moving beyond that one and done event and how can you surround your learners and those other stakeholders that are involved with meaningful touch points, assets, experiences to support the ultimate goal, which is behavior change. We're going to break it into the who, why, what, where, and when. And the who is, who are we trying to reach? Oftentimes when we are building learning experiences, we think about talking to the learner or the target learner and maybe their manager. But there are other people involved in that experience. And so how do we engage with them and who else needs to support this learning journey, uh, whether it's in or outside of those specific formal learning events? So that's kind of the, the first thing. The next is once you've identified those people why should they care? What's in it for me? The WIFM. Right. <laughs> we talk a lot about this and even building our learning programs is it is really important for us to show the value of, hey, you taking part in this learning experience is going to help you in XYZ ways. And you know, the more that we can do that, the better. Mm. And then we need to really dive into the what. What specific actions do we need? these people to take. And this is where it gets a bit complicated, but the key is, is that when you're building a learning campaign, the what varies depending on when you're talking to them. 
So for example, you really have three time periods. You have before the formal learning event, you have during the normal learning event, and then you have after the normal learning event. And so what do you need each of these stakeholders, whether it's the target learner, the manager, the business lead, the finance person, whomever it may be, what do you want them to do along the way? And maybe it's a a way in which you provide reminders to them to, if it's a manager, to support the learning and make sure that their employees are dedicating time and clearing their schedule for the learning event. Mm. Okay. So we we started with who, like who are we marketing to? We went to the why, why should they care? What's in it for them? And then the what, so what is it that we want them to do as a result? And then I think we still have the, the where and the when, right? Yeah, exactly. So the where is, where can you reach them? Hmm. Because nine times out of 10, what I hear back from clients is email. I'll just mm-hmm. send Yeah, I'm going to send an email out to everybody. That's right. Email. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, then everybody's sending emails and we're just like inundated with emails. Mm-hmm. And so typically there are other what we call tactics to engage them. So it can be an email. Email is great and effective. It can also be adding a button on the intranet page. Or perhaps it's planting a seed and making sure you have five minutes at the end of a senior leadership meeting in which you can talk about it to those key stakeholders. Or perhaps there is a tabletop for those that are still working in offices. Maybe there is a tabletop display that you can create to let employees know that there's an opportunity for them to engage in this new leadership program or uh, register for an upcoming event billboards, you know, posters in the hallways, things along those lines. So when we move beyond this single tactic approach, that's when we can really identify where is the best way to reach them and do so in a multiple ways. Mm. And then we got to know when we should reach out to them, right? And this is going back to the learning is we have to move beyond one and done. Mm. Sending the one email to say, hey, register for this event or hey, send a note to your employees to make sure they're making time for learning is not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. We have to hit them a number of times. You even said 32 times between before somebody you know registers with a message. Sometimes it's as small as seven times. But the key thing that I always uh, loved about marketing and what my uh, leaders would always remind me when I was building marketing campaigns was... The moment I am starting to get bored and feeling annoyed with how many times I've said these things is the moment in which it's maybe starting to resonate with the target audience. And so we have to take a moment to put ourselves in their shoes and making sure that we are reinforcing that message multiple ways at multiple times. And with it, one of the concepts that you can leverage from a marketing as it relates to when is always on versus pulse periods. So for example, an always on time period of when would be a, maybe a banner ad on your intranet page. That's always there. It has, Hey, here is your internal content library of learning experiences. Whereas a pulse period may be something that you would leverage with your uh, email efforts or your town hall calls where you're going to hit them at key time periods where it's most important for them to take action. Mm, Yeah. I I really resonate. I can identify with that moment. You mentioned the moment you start to get bored as a marketer is the moment that people are probably just starting to pay attention or bored might even be the right word. It might be worried that you are annoying people or that you're saying the same thing over and over and they're going to get tired of you. I'm feeling that right now I'm in the middle of marketing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference, which you're coming to. And I have been sending out emails and emails and posting on LinkedIn and LinkedIn messages and sharing it with lots of people. And, you know, I'm getting to that point where I feel like, oh, I've told everybody so many times. Mm -hmm. And yet there's a lot of people who either haven't noticed, have been thinking about it, but haven't taken action yet. They need another reminder and they need another nudge. And so I know I've just got to keep going at it, right? Keep keep putting the information out there. How do you balance, you know, this is kind of a, a selfish question, but I think others listening will benefit from this as well. That balance of, I don't want to overdo it and annoy people, or the fact that what I've kind of noticed, we'll say qualitatively, is that 
20% of my audience might already be paying attention and getting annoyed and say, hey, could you stop bothering me? But 80% of the audience still needs to hear it more times because they haven't been paying attention. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, great question. And and before I answer that, I want to go back to your comment about promoting for the Talent Development Think Tank Conference. Yeah. This is a common thing. I'm going to use your situation to help oh, other leaders. <laughs> Oftentimes, I'm talking with clients right now that are getting ready to go silent or dark for the next three weeks related to their L&D efforts. Hmm. And the reason is, is because they're saying, oh, well, people are going to be on vacation and they're spending time with family and we have year in clothes and all of that. Just and for I, context, you and I are recording this a couple of weeks before in early December, a couple of weeks before Christmas, companies yeah. are shutting down, you know, maybe yeah. starting next week or week after. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I, um, I understand where they're coming from. At the same time, there are also people who, yes, they are winding down through the end of 2022, but they're also planning what they want to do for 2023 and keeping top of mind those learning resources that are available to them and starting to plant the seed for them that, hey, here are workshops that are going to be available to you, or don't forget that your learning budget resets in January, or don't forget that conference is coming up in February. This is the time in which you can continue to keep that message going as it relates to your specific question of how do you balance too much? Mm. I would say is the question to ask yourself is what harm will it do? If they see the message one more time Mm -hmm. or two more times, what's the worst that could happen? And is that worst thing that's going to happen going to offset the benefit of those other 80% of the people who haven't been paying attention for them seeing it at the right time. And, you know, I'll give you an example. And we talk about this a lot in marketing is this idea of spill. And what spill is, is that I don't eat at McDonald's. I do not drink Coca-Cola products, but I see a lot of McDonald's ads and Coca-Cola products. Yeah, same. It doesn't make me mad. I don't get annoyed. I just ignore it. And I move on with my life. And the same is true with our learning efforts. If they're really not invested, if they Mm. haven't identified the what's in it for me, they're going to ignore it anyways and move forward. And the risk is actually, I think the risk is greater for you not to be getting out there and keeping your efforts, your L&D efforts top of mind than to lay back and say, well, I mean, gosh, I wish you would have known, but I stopped telling you two times ago. (laughs) Mm, You are right. I mean, if you watch television, I'd say 90% of the ads are usually not relevant. At least they're not to me, right? But then there's, uh, you know, you hit the right people at the right time. And we just ignore, learn to ignore the other stuff, right? As long as we don't find it offensive. I know some people will get upset if they feel like they're receiving the same emails over and over again, and it's quote unquote clogging their inbox. Um, I always think that's funny because it doesn't take even a second to hit the delete button on your email, right? But like some people take that stuff very personally. So you you always have the you always have the, the risk that you might offend a few people, right? Or, or annoy a few people, which I'm a big mindset guy, as you know, I try to remind people that's your choice to be annoyed. Like it's not, you're do- not doing anything to them. And like you said, it's, it's probably worth the the trade-off. Could you take us through maybe a, a, an example of marketing a learning program and, and how you've either approached it in the past or you've seen other people do it or, or like a hypothetical, hey, I've got this workshop I've put together. It's it's going to be happening in you know two months time and I want to get a certain number of people to sign up. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so I'll kind of break this into two examples. One is leveraging marketing to kind of build a brand around your marketing efforts. Mm. And the other is around building a campaign. So at one of the ad agencies that I supported, they uh, leveraged all of their talent development efforts as brain camp. They had a logo. What that meant was they were creating this brand identity to say, when you see this, when we talk about events, experiences, resources brought to you by Brain Camp, 
it created a and elicited a a response of, oh, okay, I'm going to learn something here. This is going to be thought provoking. This is going to tie back to the work that I'm doing. And how they leverage that brand is when they purchased outside programs, maybe they did workshops where they sent people to presentation skills. They would, on all of those invites and communication, say, hey, here's your presentation skills workshop brought to you by BrainCamp. And similarly, when they brought in thought leaders to speak at events on town halls, it would be, hey, here's Andy Storch talking about career development brought to you by BrainCamp. And similarly, if they were creating internal resources of checklists or tips, same thing, kind of using that naming convention and that branding to carry it through. And the reason that this was really impactful for them is that it created this feeling of support. And it also helped take all of these fragmented experiences that if you were looking at it quickly, you'd say, oh, this is really disjointed efforts of, you know, we're doing a little bit of career development over here and presentation skills over here and, you know, mindset work over here and then job specific roles over there and combining it into one to saying, we are supporting your talent development efforts. We are supporting your personal learning and development. And I think that makes a big difference, particularly now within organizations where we need to show that we're supporting our employees in their own professional development and, you know, creating a brand that you can tie everything under and an umbrella you can nest it under what is great. Any questions on that? I know I kind of went down a rabbit hole. No, no, that's, that's great. And I, I like the the idea of, you know, having this kind of branding around brain camp and sponsored by and connecting with all of that and, and building the brand around it. So then how do you make sure that you're getting enough of the word out in the right places to get people to whatever the program is. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So an example of how to build together a campaign is I'll use one in in my last role where we were really focusing on digital marketing capabilities of search engine optimization, building landing pages and Google keywords. And so it was a multifaceted campaign developing skills in a variety of ways. And what the events were beforehand were just webinars, basically where we had subject matter experts, sage on a stage talking about things. And instead, what we did was we flipped it and we provided resources ahead of the live event. So this was our pre, pre-formal event touch voice touch points mm-hmm. where we sent some pre-reads, sent some details and examples of how these skills would be used on the job and how it would support their efforts. We also then had communication, not only with the target learners, but also with their managers and then the department leads who would also be impacted when there were team members who were demonstrating these skills, because we were an organization that had multiple departments that needed to collaborate with one another. And they also, how you leverage, let's say, search engine keywords, for example, can be a little bit different depending on the angle in which you're looking at it. And so um, also the retailer, we were in consumer packaged goods, also the retailer that you were using. So that context was really helpful. So with the campaign, those pre-events, we had communication going out to them ahead of time, not only via email, but we had monthly town halls where we were saying, hey, we've got these live events coming up in four weeks. Then we had an opportunity. We created a landing page in Teams on SharePoint that had, here is what are the learning experiences that are upcoming and where you can go to learn a little bit more before these live events happen. Then when the live event happened, obviously we had the live event, we recorded that live event. Then after the event, we sent a recap of the key kind of takeaways that were there, took the recording and spliced it into specific sections so that there were micro touch points for them to see. And then provided nudges every three weeks afterwards of saying, hey, here was kind of the tip of the month based off of this training that we were doing. So rather than before it being a one-day event for a couple hours webinar with an instructor, it now became this 
multi-month, four-month experience. And then we also had all the resources available on demand on our SharePoint Microsoft Teams site. Mm, so multifaceted approach. Yeah. You think about that where and when, getting it in front of people in different places at the right times, different times to make sure that you're continuing to build that awareness to, to get people there. And what were the results for that? It was great. We started to see, so from an, just an adoption of the number of people who were coming, I don't remember the numbers right off the top of my head, mm. but for those, we, we saw a greater increase of people attending the events. And then we started to see fewer amount of requests to our subject matter experts to have to come in and jump into conversations because the, the people on the ground who needed to have these skills were able to answer and self-serve themselves in finding the answers they need or feel more confident in answering those questions on behalf of clients so that they were able to do that without having to tap into a subject matter expert and say, Hey, can you join this meeting and, and help me talk about SEO with this client? Yeah, absolutely. For those of us, L and D, I know several people are probably writing lots of notes right now thinking, okay, how am I going to market this next program that I have coming up? Anything else that you think is important for L and D to leverage or be thinking about to better market those learning programs? I would say test and learn. I think that would mm -hmm. be the final thing is what works in one organization is not going to work in another and try to get out there, quickly adapt. As with all things, it's not a crock pot. <laughs> it's not a set it and forget it type of thing. You've got to stay on top of things to, to try to understand what's working, what's not, and leverage the, the strength of surveys, both quantitative surveys as well as qualitative to really dive into, have a few focus groups to understand, is our frequency of our messaging about these learning experiences too much, too little? Why, why not? What would better support them? And you may get a lot of great ideas from those that are, are on the, in the trenches there where you're here to support. Right, right on. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, Jen, is today, uh, recently you made a move to take this role with LearnIn, which is in the process of being acquired by Degreed as we record this. I don't think it's closed yet. LearnIn slash Degreed to build internal talent academies, which is something before you took this role, I don't know if I've heard of that before, but when, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh, this sounds pretty cool. So can you tell me more about like what that is? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. So it's really a, a multifaceted approach. So when at LearnIn, what we really focus on is tuition, providing learning stipends or reimbursement for your learning programs so that your employees can go and find external programs, resources, conferences to self-select the learning experiences that they would like to work on. As an admin, we provide the opportunity for L&D leaders to uh, prioritize what of those may be, you know, up to the top, you know, we want to push more, you know, soft skills or presentation skills or what have you. The second piece is our marketplace program as well as custom program builder. And this is where we have a curated list of top-notch external uh, learning providers on a variety of skills and topics that is already a curated list. So rather than those employees using that $500 learning stipend to just go out into the World Wide Web and search for things, they can start with a curated list that's already there. It's a list that we have that the, the um, clients can decide to hide or show certain programs or even add other programs to it. Additionally, we have the custom program builder where they can create their own custom programs. And this is where maybe they're taking that instructor-led training course and moving it from this one-and-done event, but putting it into a custom program experience and, and bringing it to life, both with projects, uh, scheduling for events, and, and obviously the context of the business. And then the final piece, which is what I work in and really focus my efforts on is the academies. And this is where we're really focused on the deep skill building efforts of leveraging the best of external programs 
with the internal context of what your business needs and really focusing on those sequential, longer form, deep skilling building efforts where we can really tie back to what are the behavior changes that we want to see on the job and how do we marry the content with the context of the business in order to make sure that we're um, you know, supporting our learners along their journey. It sounds like a really cool concept that has an opportunity to make a big impact in a lot of organizations. Completely. And especially with us now being paired with Degreed, it then becomes this holistic approach where with Degreed plans and pathways, we have this opportunity for that, you know, curated paths of a variety of content and resources that are available to learners on demand anytime, as well as these you know, budgets for personalized learning and then deep skill building when it comes to academies. So it's going to be a great adventure in 2023 and beyond. All right, Jen, you've been a member of the talent development think tank community now for well over a year, and you're also coming to our conference in February. You came to the retreat back in January. So excited to get a chance to see you again. And you've provided so much value to the community over time. For those listening that maybe haven't joined the community or haven't gotten a ticket to the conference yet, what do you love about this community and, and why are you coming to the conference? So yeah, I've, I think I've formally been a member since April of 2021. And I actually self-funded that. So many people Mm. get their membership funded by their companies, which is Mm. great. This is actually a personal investment that I've made Mm. and will continue to make. I think the reason I really love the talent development think tank community is one, the frequency of the calls, having it be weekly calls where we can come together have a specific topic that we can dive deep into. And then I know often we we filter and kind of have an open forum. It provides this opportunity to learn from other learning leaders because that's one of the challenges that I felt in my previous role was I, I felt like I was getting an echo chamber and just stuck in our own ways of working and getting the inspiration from others of how Others have tackled the similar problems that we are, and just having the sounding board is great. The second piece is the Slack channel. I cannot tell you how many times I have been in a pickle where I needed research on something. I couldn't find that one article, or I wanted examples of you know the, the best ways to, de- to build sponsorship programs versus a mentorship mm-hmm. program. And the community comes together and they say, hey, you know, here's some resources I've got, articles I've read, or better yet, would you love to jump, jump on a call and you know chat for a quick 30 minutes to, to dive deep into it? And so I think that's been really helpful. And then with all of that has been the relationships that I've built. Many of those people in the Talents Moment Think Tank, I am personal friends with, talk to on a frequent basis. <laughs> and so I'm really excited to just be there with them in February, just so we can talk about life and challenges and learning. And, and I feel that all of us together have this attitude of continuous growth. We're always learning. We want to, you know, stumble together and and continue to carry each other forward. And so that's been been really exciting. As it relates to the conference, so I actually used my personal learning budget to pay Mm -hmm. for my ticket to the conference. And then some of it out of pocket, I'm going to pay for my own airfare and hotel. And the main reason I'm there is because I went to the retreat in February last year. And it was the best money I've spent on a conference or retreat ever because it was the relationships that we had. They were intimate sessions where we really got to talk about true demonstrated skills. Like what have you done and how did you do it? And how can you help me do it too? Versus theory and ideas of things. And I think that that really means a lot to me in my own learning journey of of how I can continue to grow professionally as well. Oh, I love that and uh, loved having you there. And it was really interesting how, you know, sometimes you think, well, I need to go to this big conference with lots of people to get value and these big speakers and whatnot. And we put together a very intimate group of people for that retreat. Several members of the group led sessions. We had no PowerPoint, you know, just white flip charts and great handouts and great conversation. And uh, and people loved it, right? There's a lot of value that came out of that. And it really comes down to those personal relationships, those one-on-one small group conversations where you can learn from other people, what they're doing, what they're working on and build those lifelong relationships. Like you mentioned before. 
Right, right. And this goes back to the marketing piece, because one thing we were talking about earlier was the ads that we're seeing aren't relevant to us. Mm. The same thing is true for our conferences sometimes, is there's going to be components of a conference that are not relevant to us. But I'll give you an example of something that's happened with me personally, is I continue to see those meal box kits constantly and would get them via my email all the time. And I I was not for me. I was not ready for them. But then most recently we've been traveling a lot and my husband and I decided to, and what did we decide to do was the one that was kind of top of mind. Yeah. Sure one. And so that's the other thing to keep, keep in mind when it relates to marketing and for your own self and and for your learning programs is the benefit of being keeping things top of mind, the benefit of creating those relationships and keeping your mind open to those is that it may not be relevant to you right now, but you're planting a seed and maybe in four months or two months, this is going to click for you. And you're going to be able to go back to say, oh, who was that that I met at that retreat or conference? Or I don't know who they were, but Andy will remember Mm -hmm. and call him and he'll point me to him. That's right. Okay. Well, since we're all about marketing, last, last question to ask you more shameless promotion is that you came in this year to really help me out in running the Own Your Career program that we have. This is a training program that I created from my book, 2021, and have been running virtually in a few different organizations. And we had one this year in 2022 that said, hey, this is great. We want to run this at least 10 times for you know 300 plus people, which is awesome, but it's more work than I can do or that I want to do. And I knew I needed to bring in a couple additional facilitators to help out. But it's one of those situations where you, know, you can't just have anybody come in. It's got to be somebody that you can trust, who really gets the material, who understands it, who's aligned with it, and can really run a great session. And of course, you were one of the people that came top of my mind and you jumped in and ran some of these sessions for some cohorts. So what was that experience like? And why has this program been impactful maybe for you or for people going through it? Yeah, it was it was amazing. Thank you again, again, for the opportunity to, to facilitate those two cohorts because I truly believe when I facilitate in, in this topic specifically that I get more from them sometimes than they get from me. And I know I know that yeah. that's the case, but sometimes it feels that way. Yeah. And the main thing is, is it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. My purpose is to help people. I want to help people live their most fulfilled lives. And I think the reason that I jumped at the chance to help you and facilitate these courses is that when I read your book twice, (laughs) it everything clicked. And each time I went through it, I took away new things that I needed to focus on. So for me, as you know, five years ago, I had already set out on this path to own my career, but in that lens, ownership meant something different to me than it does now and even today. And so each time I go through these experiences of reading the book, facilitating the classes, et cetera, I get new learnings of what is the intentional efforts that I need to be making in owning my life, owning my career, and how can I take a very growth mindset as I continue to work on that. And when I was facilitating these courses, I think the biggest takeaway was the variety of aha moments, because what's unique about that specific program than others that I facilitated is that the outcome in most of the other programs I facilitate is very clearly defined. And that means we want them to do, we want them to behave a specific way. We want them Mm. to demonstrate a specific skill, but owning your career and owning your life is so personal Yeah, and it is not static. So how you own your career today is going to be different than how you're going to be owning your career and owning your life in six months. And so that, that through that lens, it then creates, it's how do you help them develop and build their toolbox? And I, so I think that was the most exciting thing for me was to see how each of them were developing things in their own way and coming out of it and truly celebrating those small wins, you know, when they started to realize the little things that they could do. So for example, networking, that was a big one that was a lot of people were anxious about. And when they started to reframe networking into, this is just professional relationship building. It's like, Oh, I can do that. You know, 
And so it was just such an amazing experience and the feedback that we received back from each of the cohort members and how they learned from each other that that group experience where they can share their own personal experiences and their aha moments gives opportunity for each of them to learn from each other as well. And, you know, I think that's the key, a key component of truly effective learning experiences. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much again for jumping in. You went above and beyond. You helped me create more of a facilitator guide. You you know, stepped up to make sure and give feedback and advice on how the program can improve. Both you and Gloria, who has been on the podcast recently, jumped in and helped so much with that and really ran great sessions. Can't say enough about the work that you've done and how much I love working with you, Jen, and how much I loved having you on the podcast today to share all of your knowledge. I can't believe we didn't do this before, but you know what they say? I don't know what they say, but I, I kind of believe that things happen in good in due time, right? When they need to happen, right? And this was the right time for this to happen. So thanks again, Jen, for coming on and sharing. I always love talking with you and uh, look forward to talking with you more in the future. All right. Thanks, Andy. This has been amazing. I really appreciate it and love working with you and learning from you. Thank you for being a master connector and sharing all of your awesomeness with the world. That will do it for my conversation with Jen Collins about leveraging marketing principles, drive awareness and engagement for your L&D programs. I hope you got a lot of value out of that conversation. I know I did. As I mentioned you know, in the uh, preamble to the interview, if you will, I am always marketing things. I have a membership community. I have a learning program. I do keynotes and I have a conference coming up. And I need to find people to come join these things, right? I know there's a lot of value there, but value in the program or the event or the experience or the community is not enough, right? You have to help people find it. I have a book as well. And that's why I'm always posting about these things on LinkedIn. I'm sending emails. I'm doing the podcast. I'm going on interviews and other shows and trying to find other ways to continue to market these things. Because if we have something of value it's not enough for it to be valuable. We've got to get it in front of people. We've got to make sure people know about it so they can show up. And if it is valuable, then they'll want to come back and, and join you for more sessions. They'll want to tell their friends. They'll want to spread the word. But you got to get them there in the first place. Why companies spend so much money on marketing and ads and why I spend so much time on marketing as well. And why you always hear me talking on this podcast about the Talent Development Think Tank community and conference that I'm hosting. And you're going to hear me continue to talk about that. So with that in mind, we do run a membership community. We have a conference. We have other events. And I'd love for you to come check all that out. Everything that you need to know is all on our website, tdtt.us, as in Talent Development Think Tank. And if you're joining our membership community, in which we have calls every Wednesday, Jen will be a guest speaker this year, as well as many other great speakers from our conference and other places from our podcast. Make sure you use the code HOTSEAT, H-O-T-S-E-A-T, for 10% off. Wait, that will do it for our conversation, uh, our episode today. Uh, stay tuned. My next episode will be my bonus Q&A session with Jen Collins, and it is a good one. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.